Hi, I'm Bella. I'm Kayton. And we're the Five Bander Forks. And we're just going to be sitting down and have having a conversation about um, the past five months and um, some things we've noticed in college, some projects we did, um, and just kind of like reflecting on what it's like to be recovering from an eating disorder in college and also at the same time dealing with um, quote unquote normal college problems in recovery. Yeah, so just to start off with a little bit of background, um, in case you're not familiar, um, we run the Fight Behind Our Forks, which is just a nonprofit dedicating to educating um, teens about the dangers of disordered eating, eating disorders, um, and then educating on intuitive eating and body positivity and neutrality as well. Um, and so me and Kayton are both freshmen in college. Um, we both uh, left California um, this fall for our first semesters um, away. And we're both also um, recovered from anorexia or in recovery, however. In recovery. I, I personally, I wouldn't say like recovered, but in a far, very far along in recovery. There's still those days when it's hard. So yeah, that's just a little bit so you get where our perspectives are coming from. Um, and we're not medical professionals or dietitians. This is purely based on, or, or psychologists or anything like that. This is purely based on our own experience coming from somebody with an eating disorder. So um, it's always important to like consult with a doctor or a psychologist if, if you have like questions about yourself because we are just two 19 year olds. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, to start things off, we're just going to kind of talk about what came up for us around um, eating disorders um, during the first semester of college. Um, Bella and I don't go to college together. We're both on the East Coast. She's at American University in Washington, D.C., and I'm at Sarah Lawrence College in um, right outside of New York City. So um, we both have two different experiences, but still the same, you know, what college what comes with college. Yeah, so we're gonna start off with talking about like some projects that we've gotten um, started on this year. Um, some in, in our own groups and like for our personal classes that have to do with eating disorders and stuff we've learned. And then we're gonna talk about um, how uh, it's affected our relationships, um, whether that be friends um, or with boyfriends or people we're interested in or girlfriends um, and stuff like that. So yeah, you can get started, Kane. Okay, so um, I took a psychology, like just a um, kind of like a psychology 101 type course this semester, and I'm not a psychology major. I'm I'm studying um, English and, and music and education, so this was kind of like just a class that seemed interesting to me, and I just wanted kind of like a basic understanding of psychology, um, and for one of, one of these projects, we basically had to look up a um, research study that interest, interested us and um, give kind of just a presentation about the research study and um, why we chose it, what we think is interesting, if there were any flaws or bias. So um, I, I've always been interested in how eating disorders affect memory. Um, I know that I had some memory difficulties in my eating disorder, like there are certain parts of my life that are just kind of blocked out. I don't know, Do you, did you experience that too, Bella? Yeah, I'd say um, like a part of my eating disorder for sure was just like fatigue 
and like memory blockage where it's just like things would be fuzzy um or like it felt kind of like in a dissociative state a state where like I was there but I wasn't really remembering what was happening or like um kind of like I could hold on to it long term yeah kind of like a, a fog um so I've always been interested in that so I just figured why not do some research on it so I found this study um called selective working memory deficits in anorexia nervosa um by um Ava Kemp's um and a bunch of other psychologists it, it was a study done in 2006 so it's it's a bit old but um this is specifically on anorexia and um that was the eating disorder I was diagnosed with but it it, it can you know vary from eating disorder to eating disorder this is just specifically this eating disorder um so basically their hypothesis was that anorexia can impair cognitive functioning um, because it has been shown in previous studies that patients with anorexia have shown to perform poorer on tasks with like attention and information processing um, and executive functioning, um, which is basically just kind of like basic brain um, functioning. Um, and but cognitive functioning has never been analyzed within the specific like working memory structure and working memory structure is short term memory. Um, which includes uh, a central executive system and a two-slave system, which gets a little complicated, so I'm not going to get into that. Um, so the ob objectives was of this study was to analyze preoccupying conditions as a mechanism underlying working memory impairment in these patients. So they basically got um, three groups of participants, 24 in each group. One group was um, a group of women aged 17 to 27 years old who were in inpatient treatment at um, Flinders Medical Center for Weight Disorder in um, Australia. Uh, so these were inpatient patients diagnosed with um, anorexia. And then, um, and they were all in acute and weight recovered state of illness. Um, I'm not 100% sure what that means but that was what they stated. And then there were two control groups of 24 non-dieters and 24 self-proclaimed dieters. So they were like the comparison groups. Um, and they tested these people with um, basically just different types of memory tasks and then also analyzed their preoccupying conditions um, and crystallized intelligence, which is really important. That's basically just like knowledge that comes from past experiences and prior learning. So just kind of like vocabulary words, like basic common knowledge that you learn just from like being a human in society. Um, and basically they found that um, they're across all age groups. There was no significant age differences. So they're all the same age. Um, anorexia participants reported significantly higher levels in preoccupying conditions, which was expected. Um, but dieters reported higher levels in preoccupying conditions than non-dieters, dieters, but not higher than anorexia patients, which is a pretty, you know, you'd think that's a pretty common, uh, makes sense. Um, basically, in the grand scheme of things, their hypothesis was right, where anorexia patients um, did kind of score significantly less on memory. Um, tasks but there were parts of it where there wasn't a difference which was really interesting as well um i'm just going through my notes actually right now um 
basically they did find out though that it had a lot less to do with BMI in these patients and like malnutrition and a lot more to do with food or body shape related thoughts which reduce their working memory capacity. So um, I think it's really interesting and that also, you know, fights a lot of stereotypes that like, oh, just because, you know, anorexics have these working memory um, issues, it, it's it's just because they're underweight or malnourished where that's not the case with everybody with anorexia. Um, and it's really interesting because this proves that, um, yes, malnourishment is a part of that, but um, the bigger underlying issue is actually working memory um, depending on the, basically just this preoccupation in their mind, like this food and body shape related thoughts controlling a, more of their mind to the point where there wasn't enough room for memory storage. Um, so it was really interesting and I'm, I'm glad that I was able to uh, kind of analyze that study. And I think Bella did an interesting study that mine kind of uh, goes into really well, where like I noticed in my study, you know, a lot of these patients were, they were, they were patients in an inpatient facility. They were getting, you know, top-notch care. This isn't what every person with anorexia experiences. These were very privileged people who had the opportunity to go to treatment. And um, not everybody has that opportunity to go to treatment. And um, Bella did a really interesting project about socioeconomic status within mental health treatment. Yeah, um, so I'll kind of just bounce off that. Um, I'm in a SBA leadership group, um, which is uh, for like a political science minor um, and a leadership program um, where I'm doing a, a year-long project um, with a group of peers on how um, socioeconomic standing affects um, Americans' access to mental health treatment. Um, we're looking at a variety of different mental disorders um, but specifically with eating disorders, um, I kind of brought the topic up just because I remember being in treatment and um, hearing so many girls being kicked out because of insurance and not being able to get the level of care they needed and when they needed it. Um, and kind of like looking into that, just it uncovered like, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a deep black hole of, you know, terrible stories where people are just, um, either like they're they have an eating disorder and they have all of um like the necessary symptoms to go into rec uh, uh, inpatient care but their weight is not at a certain point and so they're pretty much left to lose weight to with their anorexia with their disease until they're bad enough to get to the hospital and then they can get care because their insurance providers won't recognize their mental disorder or um, provide them treatment um, beforehand. Um, and so it's just so many problems and then so many Americans who don't know how to work with their insurance providers to get certain um, residentials or um, partial treatment programs covered or even therapists, um, the level of therapists that are covered. Um, certain people have access to um, therapists who don't necessarily specialize in eating disorders and therefore, um, their insurance will only cover people who can only partially help them um, and don't really have the necessary training to help them with their disorders um, or even approach um, recovery. If they don't like, if they're not, if a therapist is not aware of intuitive eating um, 
and so many of these necessary approaches when it comes to an individual with eating disorder, um, they're just, they're not going to be able to get the help they need. Um, and it's just super unfortunate. And so I was just looking into that um, a lot this semester and how, um, you know, it can kind of be fixed, hopefully, or at least alleviated. Um, and it's really hard because it takes a lot of um, like training, training parents of kids with mental illnesses, how to fight their insurance companies. And that's like the only thing that really people in public groups can do and providing services and um, like fundraising um, for certain individuals, um, which I know like Project Heal and Anita um, does for eating disorders, but it's just, it doesn't seem to be enough. Um, and it's so unfortunate because, you know, an eating disorder is a mental illness and it's not always, you know, seeable. Like you can't always test, do your blood, take your, get your blood drawn and see that this person has an eating disorder um, from their, their labs or, um, you know, their weight doesn't always show that. So it's like you're having to prove to your insurance providers that you have a problem in order to get treatment for a problem that you might not even want to get treatment for. Um, I know for me, uh, I'm recovered from anorexia, but I was a minor who didn't want to be in treatment for eating disorder. I probably wouldn't have sought treatment. And so I can't imagine being an adult who has to seek treatment, but then also, you know, fight for myself and fight for those who are supposed to be helping me to recognize that I have a problem at all. Um, and, you know, with eating disorders, uh, especially in individuals who may not um, be of the weight that is normally characterized by the disorder they have, they might feel invalidated by that. And then having to prove that they need help can just make them for, feel far more invalidated and not search help, you know, in the long run. And it's just, um, you know, it's, con it's concerning um, because eating disorders are just growing in um, prevalence. I've seen that, especially just like hearing from the past treatment centers me and Kate have been at, um, or like the people I know, just the age ranges um, that are like hospitalized right now. Um, and even like the people who reach out to my parents um, and who know me who might need help. It's just, it's, it's time where like people, there's so many people who who are in need of real therapy or a residential treatment and they just don't have the access to it. And that's kind of what I'm diving into like this first semester and the next semester, I hope to learn more about how to help with the problem um, and hopefully kind of get something going with our organization possibly too. Um, I just thought it was interesting and definitely very concerning and sad. Yeah, I, um... That's really interesting. And um, even, you know, me, I, I feel so lucky to have gotten the treatment I did and, you know, very relatively very good treatment um, and still even realizing with, you know, my mom fighting the insurance company like day after day, I still didn't even get the treatment, the amount of stays I needed um, multiple times. And it's... Um, it's really sad and you know me being with a family who supports me and um 
I can't imagine like for other people who are adults and doing this on their own, how difficult that is. Um, yeah, that really needs to be changed. Um, so really no smooth transition away from the topic, but yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how to go with like, go Move from like, from that uh, rambling. people like really need help to like, so. Um, we also just wanted to touch on kind of what we've like just experienced with regarding eating disorders, anything that we've noticed this past semester. Um, I guess I can start us off by just talking a little bit about um, some stuff that I've just been working through um, and thinking about, um, especially as I um, venture into like interpersonal relationships and, you know, like you're in college, you're a freshman in college, um, all the girls are trying to find boyfriends and stuff like that. And so just how eating disorders can come up when you're um, thinking about like how you look and, you know, someone you want to possibly be in a relationship with or you want to like you and how that can affect it. Um, For me this semester, I think a lot of it identity came up um, just because I I was thinking back to when I um, first was diagnosed with anorexia and how like I kind of grew up um, chubbier and I held that as a part of my identity and I was like kind of it was like the the elephant in the room that people didn't talk about, you know, that I was just like the chubbier kid, I felt like. And so growing up, that was a strong part of my identity until, you know, um, I developed anorexia and lost a a good amount of weight in, you know, like, I don't, I'm not a good amount, but I just don't want to use numbers. Um, Just like I lost weight over a quick period and then was labeled anorexic and told I need to gain weight and told that what I was doing was unhealthy. And so just how that like fractured what I saw myself as um, and whether I felt I fit the beauty standard or not and how that like correlates to how I feel today, that feeling of like not being sure. I feel like I'm not sure if I, you know, and I don't feel that I need to fit the beauty standard, but in interpersonal relationships, especially with men and those of the opposite, like, uh, or those I'm sexually interested in, um, you know, like that, I don't know how to say it in a better way, but like, those who I want to be in a relationship with, um, it, I feel like it, it comes up because you, you care about what men think or, and it's like, what do they want from your body and stuff like that. And it's like what, what their idealized viewpoint is. And it's like holding, you know, your idea of body neutrality or even body positivity and that it doesn't matter. And that, you know, if it, if it matters to them, you shouldn't want them in your life and just holding that kind of mindset is hard in college but it's like you have to for your kind of mental well-being and then also like as someone who I'd say I mean I feel like I do fit like the beauty standard enough I mean in a way where like the men who are attracted to me sometimes are the men who are attracted to that beauty standard and then that can like be kind of confusing because you're not sure you know is this the type of person I want are they only liking me because I look this certain way when they want me to look this way and it's not like and you're like oh if I changed would they continue to like me or you know do I need to look even better in this way it's easy to just get like sucked into it you know it's like it's like a vacuum almost it's like it's like you can be perfectly healthy mindset and then you meet someone and you think they like you for you and then it just can become you know a mind battle 
maybe once you lose them or um, if you're concerned like with the relationship and if they still like you, you know, it can make you second guess the way you think about your appearance and how much it matters. But reinforcing, you know, that idea that your 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 body is here to to help you survive and that you have to feed it and everything, you know, you know, from like body positivity and intuitive eating and, and that your body's going to, you're going to be the happiest when you're feeding yourself what you need to be feeding yourself. And so it's, you know, trying to balance that is hard and like not falling prey to, to like the parent comparison, you know, because we all have social media and like going on Instagram and trying not to see like who they're liking and who they follow and what they look like. And if you look like them and like telling yourself that it doesn't matter and detaching and like not letting yourself, you know, compare yourself to other people and get mad at other people too. Like cattiness, you know, like just because somebody looks a certain way that maybe you would like to look doesn't mean like doesn't have any moral, you know, standing or it shouldn't make you f- dislike them or like them, you know? Um, it's just, you have to continuously remind yourself um, what's, what's healthy, you know? And instead of allowing yourself to be consumed, um, you know, and don't, it's hard. That's all I yeah. can kind of say. It's like a constant battle. And like, I don't think it's going to end now and it's going to continue to come up. And it's hard to find other people that like think the way you do. You know, yeah. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's consumed, do you think? It's hard to find somebody who like really just cares about you for you and doesn't care. But it's like, it's better to look for that instead of settle, especially when settling could allow you to relapse or have negative thoughts about yourself. You know, I feel like (laughs) not settling for someone like that, especially when you're um, recovered from an eating disorder or in recovery is so important because settling can, can make it, can allow someone toxic to bring you down and you just can't let that happen. Yeah. um, I've, I know I've had a, uh, issue or a not issue just kind of like not necessarily thrilled about um some guys that I've you know been interested in and they're kind of this obsession with the gym and um you know it's really you know disordered when I really think about it not for everybody but I think um you know I'm not I'm not a guy but it's, you can kind of see how, you know, men think they'll be more attractive if they, um, the bigger muscles they have, the more masculine they look. Um, and sometimes, you know, even on dating apps and they're like, I'm looking for like a girl to go to the gym with me. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if, I don't know. Not what that I, means. not I. No, first of all, I hate, the, <laughs> I don't actually don't think I've been into a gym in like five years, but like since my eating disorder but like I don't know what that means like what do you mean you're looking for a girl to go to the gym with like you're trying to change her or is that just like a hobby of yours like I don't know it's very I don't know why people put that in their freaking bios by the way it's anyway (laughs) maybe it's just a hobby but sometimes I'm like 
I don't know if I want to be with somebody who just like their whole personality is like health and wellness. Um, and then like, what if I'm not into going to the gym? You know, I don't know. I'm just rambling, but um, yeah, it's just interesting. Also, like not to change um <laughs> topics so quickly, but also just like the amount of disordered eating I've seen in college from other people um is kind of crazy. I don't know, maybe it's just because I go to a small liberal arts school and we're all kind of just have a lot of mental health problems collectively. <laughs> but um it's kind of it's very concerning. And I wouldn't I don't even want to say it's triggering. Like I really I it's I don't get really like triggered as much lately as more just like annoyed and kind of like really like <sighs> that is really annoying because like when you think about it, like there are things in my eating disorder I did where you know talking about dieting all the time and things like that where I'm like wow I must have been like really annoying like who wants to hear about dieting all the time and, and now being you're like damn that's annoying. yeah and now like, being <laughs> yeah. like damn they're annoying like I was like that um but also it's more it's like I feel sad and you know sometimes I don't know it's, it's not my place to I don't want to be that one girl that like sits down with somebody I think has like disordered eating and being like, hey, you know, like, you know, I used to have this problem and like maybe you I should can look help into you that. get through it. Yeah, because that's not my place <laughs> and it's not my job and like, you know, also um, like another person can't just do it for you. No, it's not my place to be like, hey, like I really think you know, I've 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 diagnosed, I've gone you down the problem. I like you definitely have it. No, like it's it's not my uh not my responsibility nor my place but it is very hard to just kind of watch some eating disorders happen um sad but you know if i could be a, if i could be a support i try but um yeah it's hard you also have to like you know focus on who you surround yourself with because yeah and it also just like i'm thankful that i got help like before college too yeah, big time. Big time. But I mean, I mean, it's hard in college. You have to feed yourself. You have it's like it's all reliant on you. And like, yeah. Ugh, personally, so at my college, like the dining hall. I mean, it's not terrible. I'm not gonna say that. I think the food isn't bad. I'm vegetarian, so it's just harder for me. But I, I'm picky too. So I, I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> the food that's there. But I just, I have trouble. You're I have really trouble. I, mean, I don't want to slander the dining hall um you know they work hard but I I just personally find it hard to eat there um given my limited options and and so it's like I really gotta you know sometimes I just gotta put an ego in the waffle and put some Nutella on it put an ego in the waffle yeah the ego waffles like that just has to happen sometimes it's like a bar that I don't really want and like that's just what has to be then like I have an hour before my classes yeah it's really like can't do anything it's like being you flexible have to like know how to you know take care of yourself so even those who like maybe don't have eating disorders but like if you don't you know prioritize taking care of yourself and making sure you're fed even when you might not necessarily be hungry or it's not necessarily exactly what you want you know you just have to be on top of it yeah, I've noticed like especially times when um like during final season, like I would spend 
multiple hours in the library or really like all day in the library on like the weekend um studying and sometimes like you know I always used to joke like oh I never forget about eating I just ignore it and that was like an eating disorder behavior of mine but like it looked it actually did get to the point where sometimes I'd be like yeah wow, it's yeah it's you're like, just like five hours I'm just like wait a minute it's four o'clock and I need to go eat something and instead of just like you know reaching in my bag for like a nature valley bar or something like really taking the time to like go to the dining like it might not be like the easiest especially like in the winter there's like snow and yeah, I mean I'm snow. from California like we're from California it's it's it's, it's a struggle <laughs> like dude, going out below, like 40 degrees is a struggle yeah putting on your coat and all that and going to the dining hall like it's an event it's Um, yeah i gotta like give me an hour to get ready (laughs) (laughs) but still like taking the time to like i i had that issue with breakfast a lot like if i I had like a 9 30 class and i'd wake up at like nine and not make time for breakfast and all of a sudden it's like three hours later after my lecture and i haven't eaten and you know making sure to wake up earlier to like grab something from the dining hall even if that means bringing it to class yeah and like it's just you know and people like especially like girls would just like not eat all day to get like super drunk on the weekends and stuff like that it's yes just, like, that's not that's good like so anybody. that's not even just it's like not good for the girls ordered eating it's like dangerous later that night when you don't feel so well or yourself you know like let's just be well fed yeah for real or like even like I don't know if you've experienced this but like this culture of like um I know sometimes this happens where it's like not disordered but um like a purging uh while drinking like just because so that you don't feel hungover like that was an yeah I think people with- just don't realize how dangerous it is yeah and like how last resort it is I think it's become like first resort for some people and normalized when it's like dangerous like yeah dangerous. it's not something that should be joked not, about it's not or... safe um, like yes there are times like if you have alcohol poisoning, poisoning where it's necessary like, the but like option but it should never be done when it's not the safer option no, you know? like it's um it shouldn't be just this normal thing that people do every time there's a party or something by any means um, yeah or like you know just Ugh, it's just it's like really easy to get like wrapped up in like not taking care of yourself I guess that's easy to say but just like even and, and, like that's not even what I mean not taking care of yourself because I feel like that has like such negative like connotation like just like eat drink a little bit of water you know a lot I don't of water. Enough water like I don't drink enough water you have to drink more water hopefully at least more than I do but like just drink water shower like I feel like those are the biggest laundry (laughs) that like mess you up and like eating is one of those huge things and it's just disordered eating is so bad in college because of money as well like oh yeah you don't want to go out to eat like no no, most people don't want to go out to eat especially when you have trying to use your meal swipes and like you're trying to buy cheap stuff from the grocery store and not like survive solely off ramen noodles and it's just hard yeah and also just being okay with those nights when you are just 
eating like three packets of ramen for dinner yeah and like that's your day and that's what it is yeah yeah that's okay but maybe not like every night (laughs) yeah and like the freshman 15 oh my god <laughs> don't even get Can me we stop started talking about it because i like don't i don't know why i feel like that's a ghost but like i feel like that's a ghost because it's been following me for a couple of years i always hear about the freshman 15 you're gonna gain it in college like shut up okay and i do will you know no do i am i gonna show you like the scale with my 15 pound no like am i gonna know no because i don't wait like who it's cares also like a lot of people just think it's like, oh, you know, you're in college, you're eating this dining hall food, you're going to gain the freshman 15. We're also like going through a very developmental part of our lives, like anatomically. Like it's also normal for bodies to change that, and it has yeah. nothing to do with like, your- A lot of kids are 17, 17 to 18, 18 to 19. Like, I don't know. I don't know. It just feels a little bit like they're attacking us. And like- I hear about it so much. Girls talking about the freshman 15. It's like, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Can we not? Yeah. Okay. It's also just annoying, like, to talk about it all the time. So annoying. I don't know if you ever do this, but sometimes, like, people will be talking about it. or And I'll just kind of throw in the, like, you know, like, I really try to eat intuitively and just kind of, like, yeah, I always say that. Plug it I in. Say, like, I just follow intuitive eating and, like, I think it's really great. And then they're like, oh, it's that. And you tell them, you're like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's my new hobby, just kind of plugging it. <laughs> yeah, plugging, plugging the body positivity. <laughs> just like, <laughs> Yeah, no hate. Yeah, it's like even when you don't believe it yourself, just saying it helps sometimes, especially when like somebody's negative around me. I'll just be like, you know what? <laughs> we don't do this actually. We are positive about the way we look. And even if I don't always believe it, I'm gonna say it because I'm much closer to believing it if I say it out loud. You know? Even like, like people commenting on other people's bodies, like my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe it. I'm like, y'all okay. take a breath. And we're all living together. All the girls sharing clothes, too. I feel like it gets tense sometimes. Oh, me too. I mean, I'm, like, my roommate and I are just, like, just different. Like Yeah, me and my roommate are not sharing clothes. No. Like, we're (laughs) we're just very different. Like, it's not, like, negative or positive. We're just, like, very different humans. I mean, we, yeah, we just, me me and my roommate, we just, different sizes. Which is, like, it should be more triggering than it is but it's really not for me. I don't know. I just like come, yeah. come to peace. I'm at peace. Luckily, my-, my roommate is like a very supportive, very supportive roommate with all of this. And like, she knows about my eating disorder. Um, and she's like, I, I mean, I really got lucky in that department. Um, but I have heard like roommate horror stories um, with people in recovery and it can be rough, but um we hope at the end of the day it's up to us (laughs) there's not much i mean i i think that's all i have for today kaitin have you have anything to add no we kind of just ramped we rambled a lot but yeah hopefully it helps someone i just rambled if anybody is still listening (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you made it this far thank you (laughs) thanks for getting here um we'll hopefully do another one again soon it's been a while we're a little rusty 
but mm. busy <laughs> and busy yeah bye-bye okay bye everybody thanks for listening <laughs>